it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer, albeit a day late this week due to the vagaries of daylight saving time that we can't seem to work out even after nine years of podcasting. And yet our good friends at Cryomalt support us anyway, and we thank them for that support. But this week I chat with Danielle Allen, co-founder of Two Birds Brewing. We've spoken to Danielle's business partner, Jane Lewis, a number of times on the podcast, but never Danielle before. So we welcome Danielle to the show. In preparation for their 10-year anniversary next year, Two Birds this week launched a survey to get consumer feedback on the brand, the beers, the business, and a whole lot of other things that Danielle hopes will inform the business as it passes through that milestone. Danielle talks to us about that and what they hope to achieve, but also a whole lot more as we walk through 10 years of Two Birds. Enjoy my chat with Danielle Allen. Danielle Allen, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure because I, I went back and I don't think we've actually had you on the podcast. Maybe not. Jane yeah, hogs all the limelight, you know, being the... the oh, you know, <laughs> the brewers, they get all the attention. No, <laughs> I'm happy for that to be that way. Well, but I mean, that's the thing, you know, there there is a a team, there are two of you and you can't, one of the things that we've learned over the, you know, and I'm probably burying the lead or bringing it up, but um, Two Birds is about to celebrate 10 years. And one of the things we've learned over the 10 years or longer that we've been watching craft beer is that it's not just about the beer, it's about marketing. Very much so, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> it's important, absolutely, and maybe even more important these days with all of the digital channels that are out there and it's just part of everyone's life, isn't it, to be marketed at constantly. So yeah, getting what, that, that's... getting the cut through is just harder and harder. And, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. But, but before we get into that, the, the thing, you're not actually celebrating 10 years until next June, so we're being very early to this party. Um, but one of the reasons we wanted to catch up with you now is because in anticipation of celebrating 10 years, two birds have actually got a survey out to speak to your uh, community about the, the brewery. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the thinking behind that. Yeah, we do. So um, I guess it was probably something that's fallen out of COVID was a bit of a realisation that we probably need to do a bit of a health check on our marketing. Um, it's been about two years since we kind of did the full, you know, brand strategy piece and the personality and how to look at our, you know, taglines and look and feel and, um, you know, who we're, who our customer actually is. We hadn't done that in a while. And I think because of COVID, it was really important that we have a really clear strategy about our brand and who we are and you know, so that we can emerge from COVID from the other side and come out strong. I think we're very, very much, you know, set in our ways about surviving COVID and, you know, if it's and, and sort of beating it in a way. So um, we thought we'd get in touch with a local marketing lady who we've worked with before and, um, you know, go through a bit of a process about, okay, what are we going to do to um, have a look at our marketing and, 
and kind of step through a new strategy. And um, part of what we decided was to do a survey and actually get some direct um, customer feedback. Um, whether it's it's probably going to be a bit raw as to what comes back, we're not quite <laughs> sure at this point. <laughs> yeah, getting feedback uh, with a site like Bruce News that is often sort of fairly uh, forthright in its opinions, we get the same back. <laughs> it, it, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, just you can sort of get so caught up in the day-to-day of the running of the business and I think I've got a pretty good handle on what people think of us. But on the other hand, maybe I don't. So, um, yeah, it's just a really good way for us to connect with our community, build on that relationship that we've already got with people and also look at, you know, further afield outside of that circle and get, I guess, just more um, information and feedback from general beer drinkers about what they're trending towards and, you know, what they're looking for and what they want just so that we can have some of that information to ourselves, which is pretty critical, um, that will help shape kind of our marketing strategy and what we do coming into our 10th year next year. Look, I have to say, as as somebody who stands back and watches and observes the the industry, you know, Two Mm. Birds was one of those brands or, you know, the the businesses that came to market um, with a very clearly defined um, professional brand appeal in an industry that tended to bootstrap and, you know, (laughs) sort of people would scramble to um, get their brewery in and then they would almost go to, I don't think there was even 99 Designs back 10 years ago, but, you know, they would get their um, art student friend to come up with the logo. Two Birds came out with a very professional brand and everything and, uh, you know, when, when I was reading up on some of the backstory, you actually had a an advertising and marketing company, Red Jelly, um, come up with the, the, the two birds at the very start. We did. Yeah, I guess it was something that we saw um, was important to invest in that side of it um, from both what I had learned in my 10 years, whatever, career in marketing and product development. And, you know, Jane's really passionate about design and creative um, as well. So we were definitely not just going to, you know, do a beer that didn't look pretty, I suppose. So um, <laughs> we spent, looking back, it, it was a really big investment um, in terms of from the startup money that we did have, but I think it was a worthwhile investment, you know, getting the full the full logo and how the logo um, sort of translates across lots of different mediums and pack formats and, and all of that. So, yeah, we were, um, and in, even the name as well, Red Jelly, you know, uh, came up with that for us because we had a list that was so long and a lot of it was really terrible <laughs> and we're kind of going round and round in circles and I think we had a lot of um, to this and to that and a lot of sort of female referenced um, words but we just hadn't connected the dots with the two birds and as soon as that, as soon as that was put in front of us we were like oh god how come we didn't come up with that ourselves so um, yeah it was a it was a good start for the brand. And, and I guess, you know, when, when you started, I mean, Jane had a very strong um, provenance in the industry, having been at Matilda Bay before uh, working at Mountain Goat and really establishing herself there. So you had that. But then you also went down the, the, the road of being a, uh, I, I don't know whether a nomadic brewery or contract brewery, how, how you described yourself at the time. You certainly opened without a brewery when we first got started. How important was that strong brand when you didn't have that brewery touch piece to point people to? Yeah, I 
think, I mean, it was pretty important, but we did, we were fortunate that we did have the great um, launch pad um, of Jane's, you know, experience and background and kind of name within the industry, within the industry. So that was sort of one leverage point that was worked really well for us. And then it's the whole sort of story around the two birds and, and how we evolved and developed that, I think was really, was important, but um, at the same time, it was an authentic story. So mm. it's, so it, so it's easy to tell and easy to kind of elaborate on and, um, you know, had a bit, had a bit more of a, a human angle to it, I suppose. So yeah, there, there, there was interest from the start on the brand, but it's funny, even this morning I had a um, a meeting and uh, a lady who has been drinking our beer for some time and then uh, she still she only just realised that the two birds was two female uh, reference. Like she, <laughs> yeah, we still get that after, you know, all this time the people still, uh, you know, make that connection with the, the two birds being the two, you know, two female owners. So, yeah, it's a funny one. I'm only guessing here, but I, I, I imagine that strengthens the brand in that you're not um, – you know, it, it is very important to the story of Two Birds that it's uh, yourself and Jane, but at the same time, you're not a one-trick pony. In you know, your entire identity in that case is just the fact that it's you know two female owners. Yeah, I think so. It's a bit of a discovery. Um, you know, if people just see the brand, you know, on a tap in a pub or what have you, if the pubs open again <laughs> in Victoria. <laughs> um, um, then hopefully it you know it's just a it's a you know a fun sounding um, brand and it you know it looks good and then if people want to look more into the provenance and the ownership and you know more of the backstory then it kind of can unravel from there but yeah I mean it's definitely not just about Jane and I it's about um, you know the whole team and obviously you know raising the female voice in general across you know, not just beer but you know business and entrepreneurship. And we might come back to that um, a little bit later in the chat, but I just wanted to, before we moved away from that sort of marketing, because this survey is, a, is about marketing and the, the brand was initially informed by marketing, I'm really interested that your like your core strengths and your background was as a brand development manager at Woolworths. Um, mm-hmm. So this is something that you obviously had a, a lot in, but you still went to somebody else. Do you think that's an important – is that advice you would give to anybody to get someone outside to, to, to work with in developing a brand? Can you be too close to the brand yourself? Yeah, I think so. Um, definitely. And, I mean, I'm not a designer and that's such a, a key part of it is it has to look good as well as, you know, sound good and, and make sense and – have all of those other, um, you know, drivers to make it a successful brand. So in terms of, um, you know, getting that outside opinion and people that can come at it with, you know, they're, they're not so as close to it as um, as you, you are yourself if you're starting your own business. So definitely worthwhile. And, you know, we've continued to always have um, outside resource to do our marketing and branding and labels and packaging and everything. So... Yeah, it's worked for us. As we look back over 10 years, you, you launched with the Golden Ale. Um, and as, as I was digging through, just sort of going back through memory lane of um, the, <laughs> some of the stories we've run over the years, um, you know, in, well, it was, it was actually just last year, um, Golden Ale, 
we had to bid a sad farewell. Um, and, and to me, that says so much about, you know, that, that's just a nice little microcosm of what's happened. The industry has changed so much over 10 years. What, what do you reflect on um, when you look back over 10 years of being in business? So much change. You're right. You can't deny that. Um, uh, just, I, I mean, the landscape and the number of competitors is just you know, the shift in terms of, um, the choice is just enormous. So I guess that's a really, um, you know, thing that's impacted us in a positive way. And the pie of sales is not growing as fast as the, the number of entrants that are coming in. So it, it has gotten harder over the years to get, um, you know, secure taps and shelf space and um, keep the momentum of volume and growth, you know, going in the right direction. So um, in terms of the first few years, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was much easier than it has been for the last five years. The nature and the number of um, people that are in this space has changed. And um, I think just the the rapid rate of the um, trends as well seem to almost be off the charts in the last few years in terms of styles and, um, you know, how to captivate people's attention is, is changed drastically too. How important is it? Because as I said, you know, like Golden Ale, and it was just one of my, like it was just such a solid drinking beer. And in a lot of ways, um, you know, it was one of the beers, you were one of the breweries that were, everyone else was going bigger hops and American pale ales or bigger to launch. Your launch beer almost took the cues from Stone and Wood that, launched a little bit earlier it was a little bit lower in alcohol it was more geared towards having a couple without wrecking your palate yeah but those sorts of beers just don't seem to have the excitement or the interest that they once did and you know just the the new brand development seems to be what's occupying so many breweries complete attention these days it's a bit sad in a way isn't it it is (laughs) yeah look um our thinking with golden so we wanted to um, you know, launch a beer that had that sort of wide appeal and obviously you could have a few of, tick all of those kind of typical boxes. Um, and we thought we'd have more chance walking into a pub with a golden ale as opposed to a pale ale, which is you know, what most breweries or most breweries did launch with a pale ale um, in their lineup, probably before they branched out into the limited releases and things. But yeah, so the thinking was we, we thought we'd have more chance walking to a pub and get a tap of gold now because there weren't that many around at the time, obviously only James Squire and I think one other. Um, and it worked, you know. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, golden now. We haven't, you know, haven't don't see many of those. And I guess, um, yeah, it, it ran its course though and the style itself had started to kind of decline over the last few years and we'd had a couple of um, – you know, flags from um, the national accounts and things that they were going to delete it. So it was kind of a um, a few signs were pointing towards it might have to uh, be laid to rest. And, uh, yes, it was pretty sad, to be honest. I was at, at the brewery at the time when that last run went down the bottling line <laughs> and um, we bid it farewell. And, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – It's and it was also because it was a beer that Jane made for me because um, she, you know, really wanted me to love that first beer and, you know, wanted me to have, um, you know, a good time selling it. Um, so it was kind of like the, the first beer was for me and our second beer, which is Sunset Ale, was, was for her because that was 
a beer that um, she'd kind of been thinking about for, you know, a couple of years um, when she was working at Mountain Goat and whatnot. She'd sort of had this idea to have um, the Sunset Ale, but uh, knew we probably couldn't launch with that. So that was always going to be number two. But it still exists. And and if, if you'd asked me back then uh, what beer was going to be deleted first, I would have just thought that slightly maltier um, Sunset Ale might have been the one that, you know, for some people, that malt is a little bit, you know, a little bit too challenging, but not challenging enough for the craft beer people. But it's still, uh, I presume, going strong. Um, oh, it's. I mean, it's definitely not in growth um, mode. Uh, but we're fortunate to have that one still ranged nationally um, with one of the one of the majors. So that that helps a lot. Um, and in terms of, it's also our most awarded. So it's hard to neck the most awarded year that we've, <laughs> that we've got <laughs> um but it has a place in in our portfolio it's kind of you know that that darker style um it definitely we see a shift still of people drinking that when we come into the cooler months so it kind of has its place but um yeah poor old golden i think just got overshadowed with um with pale ales and we just couldn't compete anymore on that level and and then one of the notable early uh, beers in the lineup was Taco that started. I think it was the first Gabs beer that uh, it was brewed for Gabs, wasn't it? And I think it yeah. might have been one of the first beers that was brewed for a Gabs event that actually became a a, a core range beer for a brewery. If I'm, yeah, I'm sure people correct was... me on that if I'm wrong. Mm, yeah, not sure, but I mean, it definitely. We um, brewed, uh, developed the beer for Gabs, absolutely, and, you know, thought about it as a one-off limited release. But, yeah, it got sort of a following from that um, that Gabs, I think it was 2012. And then, um, you know, as the story goes, we've got a couple of open letters from people <laughs> asking us to, you know, hashtag release the taco. And um, after, you know, a number of inquiries, we, you know, looked into it. And so I think it's gone through four facelifts though because we originally I'm just looking on my bookshelf at my bottle collection <laughs> we <laughs> we originally launched it in the 500 mil um long necks when we were brewing that uh, out at Cavalier and then it obviously went into bottle a uh, 330 mil bottles we did a summer of it available in a can as well which was probably a little bit of ahead of our time because it was I think one or two years before the can the whole can revolution so um it wasn't actually a success in a can when we when we launched that that summer um and then yeah so now we've got it in our um 330 mil bottles as well that we obviously brew and bottle at our own brewery at the moment so yes it has a place and um it's probably the one that sparks we still people still talk about it the most Talk to me then about um, cans and bottles because that's an interesting point um, that you were very early to uh, you know, putting a beer in cans. But as I look at your website now, Passion Victim uh, is can only, Pale Ale is bottle and can, um, yep. but then most of your other beers are bottle only. How do you make the decision for what goes in can and bottle? Is it working with your retail partners or is it a decision that you make in the brewery? Um. I guess the way that we've we've looked at it differently over the years, but the way that we're looking at it now is, um, yeah, who is the customer and what is their preference and, you know, what style is better suited to a bottle or what style is better suited to a can. And 
um, having both is good, but, um, you know, and we invested in a bottling line. That was our, our choice to kind of install the bottling line and we, we still back bottles for a number of reasons. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of our preference really to have beer from a glass. <laughs> yeah. so, well, so. But it's funny that you say that and I get a lot of people and I, I, I'm trying to work out whether it's a generational thing that having grown up with glass and cans were the mainstream beers or – it was just being conditioned to like glass um, or glass is just an inherently, you know, if I'm sitting at a restaurant, I would much rather have a beer poured from glass than from a can. Yeah. But I, and I yeah. can't work out what drives that. I think, um, I mean, all of the new beers and all of the new brands and all the kind of niche craft and experimental uh, beers, I mean, there's, there's no denying they're all coming out in cans. I think it's just the, the new generation that's, you know what they're looking for and they see that as um you know the can is the quality is quality for them so um yeah maybe it's a generational thing but um like i said we've we've got that bottling line and we don't want it to collect dust so we, we keep <laughs> <laughs> we keep um we, we're you know still moving forward with bottles at this stage yeah no it, it, it's interesting i'm look i'm Again, it's hard to tell, you know, whether I'm when I'm on the wrong side of fifty, whether it is an age thing, and I think that bottles will come back once the fad of cans. But um, yeah, I'd, that's it. I, I would much rather carry a uh, carton of cans home than a carton of bottles. So there are pros. Well, and there cons. is that. Yeah, I can. You know, I used to, you know, deliver um, two cartons of bottles to venues when I was running around doing all the deliveries, <laughs> and I, and I could do it, but I can I can barely carry one these days. So. <laughs> Cans do have um, there is a there are benefits to cans and yeah and they have their place and um, yeah so we, we kind of play in both of those spaces depending on what the beer is and who the customer actually is and having that flexibility to, to tailor it is good. Now one of the things that you guys have been very proactive in and, and, and quite early in the curve of was developing the sense of community around the brewery and some of the sponsorships that you've had. And, uh, you know, you, you've worked with Australian Baseball to uh, partner with one of the teams in Melbourne. You worked with uh, the, the Western Bulldogs and then you've also partnered with Tough, uh, Tough Mudder. Um, mm-hmm. How have those worked for the, the, for, for the business? Um, really well because... They've all been, I guess we look for partnerships that are going to be able to give us an avenue to get our beer um, out and in the hands of the people that are at the games or participating in the in the sporting events um, or give us some kind of access to be able to, you know, get to this group of people either via the databases or, or Facebooks or socials or, or whatever. So, yeah, they've all been really good partnerships for us and... I think that they've introduced the brand to probably people that wouldn't have known us before. And, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess we've probably been pretty fortunate with the way that um, some of our partnerships have evolved. You know, we don't have teams of people dedicated to go and <laughs> research, to go and find um, partnerships. You know, it's just it's literally just myself and one other person in marketing and a lot of these opportunities kind of come to us and we um, evaluate them and, and you know jump on it if we think that it is going to be a good opportunity but then and you, you talked about the number of breweries and their competitiveness um you know we obviously saw with the western bulldogs partnership that even that space is increasingly 
competitive um, and, you know, dare we say dog eat dog. Yeah, yes, and uh, I'm still a little bit uh, bit upset on that one, but um, <laughs> I, but I understand, you know, it's a everyone's operating a business and everybody needs to, you know, um, get what they can from partnerships and sponsorships. So that was unfortunately one that um, did did go to another brewery, um, but you know, the two years that we did did have that relationship with the Western Bulldogs, we were really proud of and. It was kind of, um, it was just a beautiful relationship because of the proximity to the brewery. Um, AFL, the women's AFL was obviously starting, starting up and starting to drive a lot of interest for AFL and women in sport. So the alignment was was really perfect, and and we had a had a great time working with those guys. Look, you know, I don't have a brewery, but again, as somebody who's been very intimate with the the, the brewing industry, you know, I, I do talk about, you know, over the last ten years, there seems to have been, you know, the craft beer business. The emphasis seems to have shifted from craft to business in 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 a lot of these things. You know, people talk don't seem to talk as much about craft as they do about business these days. Is it getting harder or like is it, is it less fun because it's more about business? Um, it's definitely getting harder, absolutely. The early days are a distant memory but um, <laughs> and I think because we've sort of 10 years, all businesses, whether, you know, not just in brewing, go through different stages in their life cycle and I think in terms of where we're at, we're definitely, um, you know, while we're doing this marketing review and the surveys, trying to kind of take stock of, where to next because you know you can't something I have learnt is you can't stand still the minute you stand still the minute you fall behind so um, yes it's like a constant little you know the mouse on the on the wheel just constantly running 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 and sometimes to play catch up so um, yeah it's it's it, it's not just about um, the beer and the craft it definitely is it has to be an element of business and being strategic about um, how you know, how we move forward because we want to stay in business and we need to pay people and um, you have to be smart about it. <laughs> and, and, you know, sitting in my little, you know, once bloggers chair and now having, you know, three full-time staff <laughs> sort of working for me. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, I, I learned so much just watching the brewing industry and that's basically how I learned how to run a business by speaking to business people and it's exactly the same and, you know, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's fascinating to watch. But actually, even last week, um, I saw there was uh, like an interesting post that I, I think even you shared about the Jimmy Brings celebrating the Passion Victim Summer Ale and Kaiju. Melbourne. Yeah, and then yep. Melbourne Bitter yep. and Furphy. And, you know, I thought, oh, that's, you know, that, that's interesting. So I've been watching as some of the big brewers um, and, you know, Dan Murphy's have been sort of moving into that local space by, you know, supporting sort of local and to see, you know, there, there was something about that craft sensibility that seeing you guys beside Carlton Draft as hometown heroes. So I thought, gee, that's interesting. And then somebody, I think, um, even um, made that point and I wasn't sure whether it was on your post or something else mm-hmm. um, and and you said look you know these breweries provide Melbourne people with local jobs and are upskilling people in the industry that needs it and supporting a campaign that promotes sales of our product um, is what's important to us right now and I thought yeah absolutely I can understand why you'd support that but I, I there was a time when big and small 
would have seen <laughs> it would have probably grated a little bit more and, and I don't want to put words into your mouth but as an industry mm-hmm. it was a big versus small and you know I, I just sort of felt that it was kind of like well we're just happy to be part of this campaign that we're not going to ask questions about who else is in with us is that a fair observation um it's an interesting topic I mean I guess I, I've personally we've I've never seen the big versus small um you know there's a place for big and there's a place for small and whether that's because you know I worked for Woolworths for uh, you know for ten oh, years before I started, I, I, I'd forgotten started, about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's because of that, but I just think there is a there is a place for everybody, um, and you know, it sort of leans then into the independent versus you know big big boy business um, debate. And I I think you know thinking about that. Um, Independence is obviously highly important to us. It's why we started mm. our own business in the first place. And, you know, we've remained, um, you know, for 10 years, you know, Jane and I, you know, owning our own business and, you know, we don't have um, outside investors or, or anything like that. So independence is, is really important. But for me, it's not – it's about being an independent sort of business person and leader and entrepreneur. It's not about being independent against big business. So – I guess I kind of look at it and come at it from a different way, but um, you're right. The the you know I posted that because I'm just excited to see you know our beer in any kind of ad campaign. And yeah, of course, I still take photos of my of our beers when I see them in the bottle shop. Like you know, it's I'm just still um, excited to see it and put it and it being put up in light. So. We we didn't even know we were going to be in that um, ad campaign. It's not like something they sent it to oh, us and approved so it. Was not it. a co-op it, one or anything like that. It was just an organic. No, it's just an organic. And when, I think the only reason we got it um, was because our national sales manager, he's on the um, on the database, the Jimmy Brings database, and must have a postcode that got that ADM. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even known about it. So um, yeah, it's just a nice little surprise to be you know have been included buy a big brand in a campaign like that and being thought of whether or not whoever we're standing next to is, um, you know, kind of I didn't consider that to be good or bad and that I didn't read into it. It's just like, uh, yes, we do have our product on Jimmy Brings, which is really quite exciting. So, yeah, just about sharing sharing that it is available via that um, direct delivery service. This is a thought process that I go through, and uh, w- w- which is why it's interesting to ask you about that same thing, um, because I mm-hmm. just get the feeling that the industry has, you know, it, it, it just gone through a lot of maturity um, over the last ten years. So, what what have you learned um, running your own business that you didn't know when you used to work for someone uh, such as Woolworths? I don't know if I'm just getting old and cynical, but I think you you know you've got to be careful. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, good good people out there and good people that do want to help you, but then there's also people that, because um, everyone wants to make a buck. So you've got to, you've got to really <laughs> make good decisions, I suppose, about who you align yourselves with. And I, we probably, you know, from the side of the business that I look after in terms of the, you know, the sales and marketing and, um, uh, you know, sort of the overall business administration. Yeah, we've probably, I'm probably quick to jump um, in, you know, to people or services that, you know, don't actually deliver any kind of value at the end of the day. So 
just you know evaluating where you, where you um, spend your money and making sure that you do your research I think is something that we've um, that I've definitely learned over the years but um, yeah what else it's a, it's a question I often get asked actually when I do um, interviews but um, I would probably also recommend bringing you know staff and um, getting people you know inside the tent so to speak um, and building your team um, up you know as soon as you can you know even if you don't think you can afford it I think bringing people in provide you know, a different perspective and having other opinions and other kind of people's viewpoints really helps like shape the business and, and help it move forward so yeah I think the days of Jane and I you know working seven days a week you know 24 hours you know just every single waking minute of the day um, we did that for years and years and years we probably could have relented and uh, brought some people on <laughs> earlier <laughs> I, 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 that, that's something that resonates with me and and that's when, when yeah. I used to sort of say when you whether you're old and cynical you know I, I ask myself the same question because I have a, a much like less patience for some of the things that you see going on in the industry and I'm not sometimes I'm not sure whether it's because I am cynical or whether there's a little bit of burnout that comes from being in this industry that demands a lot of time and attention when you are a small business trying to keep it going yeah it's hard work it's it's not easy and um yeah I think various points over the years you know it's it's been hard and um obviously you know COVID with um, with that, then that's been much harder on Jane than it has been on me because I've, I'm not in Victoria. So, um, yeah, but, you know, having that uh, that business partnership, you know, when when one goes down, the other one rises up and then <laughs> kind of the the pendulum shifts the other way and, and, and Jane's having a, you know, a good time and I might not be having such a good time, but um, it definitely is, it's all in. You can't run a brewery and run a business without being all in and in and um, can't not expect to work work your guts out really mm. it, it, is it better now or you know it, it sounds like the business is more competitive but are you getting to have more time off and, and more time away um short answer is no <laughs> <laughs> no um I'm a bit of a workaholic anyway so for me personally I don't know how to not work so uh, even when I have supposed days off um, I still, you know, answer a million emails and I'll always pick up the phone. If someone rings, I'll always answer. Yeah, so it's probably more of a, um, I'm not a, a not the greatest uh, delegator. But, um, yeah, I think we've, we've probably got a, a slightly smaller team than we have had in the past at the moment. So in terms of the workload, um, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't stop. So it keeps us very busy. and. Yeah, just with the whole shift of um, things that we've had to do um, during COVID, in some ways it's been really good because we've tapped into um, some new channels that we that we weren't in before in terms of um, like limited releases in cans. We weren't in that space before, but we are now. So um, that's you know kept Jane really busy and, and um, kind of probably engaged a lot of her time to kind of ch channel her energy into developing some you know those fun new experimental beers so um yeah it's been good 
the last topic I really wanted to canvas was the that you were Australia's first uh, female-owned brewery, and you know you're in a great position to observe, um, you know how how inclusive and welcoming the industry is, which is a, a topic that we're seeing talked a lot about internationally. Um, but it, and it, as a fifty-year-old white man, it's easy for me to, to sort of say it this way. But it doesn't seem to it, it, it doesn't seem as an observer to be to have had some of the issues that we have seen internationally here. Is like, am I completely head in the sand? I know we're not without our issues, but how has it been for you guys? Um, yeah, so we have always been embraced by the industry and the people in it and we haven't I guess felt disadvantaged or um, even advantaged in any way for us like Jane and I you know we're um, you know we're passionate about the beer we're passionate about business and it felt right it didn't we didn't ever feel out of place it wasn't like um you know, and of course, we recognised absolutely we were the minority sort of ten years ago when we started. But the industry has really changed, and we've kind of just flowed with it, and in some ways, hopefully, um, you know, paved the way for other females to come in and and feel welcomed because of overall the general experience that we've had has been has been good and positive, and we don't have any kind of you know complaints or dirty laundry or people to really point a finger at and say, you know, that they weren't supportive or, you know, they were criti- critical of us in any way. So, yeah, we're really proud to be in the beer industry and um, be sort of the, you know, female leaders that are um, showing everybody that, you know, it is, that it's welcoming and um, there's a place for females in beer. I mean, there always has been, but, um yeah, it's it's been a good story to tell, and I like the fact that we don't have any real criticism about um, you know our our gender and how um, you know it hasn't been uh, anything that we've had to um, con- you know consider ourselves in any different way. We've just continued to stay true to ourselves and focus on that, and um, you know forge ahead. Do you still get asked those ridiculous questions about, oh, do you like beer, as if it's a surprising thing? Or, you know, what does your husband think about you owning a brewery? Do you still get asked those sorts of questions, or is that improving as well? Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you do? Yeah, okay. I do. It is quite funny. Um, yeah, of course we do. It's, you know, the the older generations, are, you know, it's kind of hard to change them. Yeah, so, yes. yeah it, 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 it can be like I've, yeah, um, I, yeah, I do see that a lot uh, with people. But then again, I, I, I do wonder because you would be out um, seeing a lot of younger um, because a lot of the hospitality areas are, are younger as well. Is it improving with the younger generation? Yes, I think so. I kind of use this term, it's a post-gender world where the millennials and all the young kids don't want to be kind of, boxed in or treated as or marketed you know you know as a male or female brand or or whatever it may be it's kind of they just want to be spoken to as a group um and as a you know a member of society as opposed to you know oh this is a a brand for females or this is a brand for guys or whatever it might be so um i think the the it's definitely changing but um the stigma you know is still going to be there but it's just that 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 one person that you educate every single week 
that might not have considered that women could own a brewery or that um, women really enjoy beer, you know, it's a win. So we keep going. Look, and I won't put you on the spot by asking you what's next for Two Birds because no doubt that will all be part of the uh, 10-year celebrations and big announcements. Am, am I right there or is there something you can tell us? Well, the survey, <laughs> say, the survey says, whatever the survey says, we'll, we'll put that into action. No, so, we're, yeah, we're looking forward to analysing what comes back through that survey and then um, kind of kicking, kicking off a fresh year uh, next year in 2021 with – with some, I mean, it will include new products, no doubt. Um, maybe, maybe a bit of a tweak on the, on the look and feel. But um, the tenth anniversary the, brewing of the Golden Ale, you know, just for some. Well, <laughs> yeah, in a glass or a can. I don't know. What do we bring it? <laughs> what What would we bring it out in? Um, yeah. So um, yeah, we'll have to have to wait and see. And for those who are who are listening and uh, you know, are no doubt very well uh, versed in the brand, how can they? Is, is the survey open to everybody, or is it just to a mailing list? I know that we shared some information on it on the uh, website this week. So, do you encourage people to? If we put a link in the show notes, do you encourage everybody to sort of give you some feedback? Yes, please. So we've obviously sent it out to our databases, but we are looking to get some um, you know, some broader people in the beer community to chime in. So we'd love to um, you know, have anyone complete that survey and, and um, they are rewarded at the end of the survey too uh, with a 10% discount voucher to our web shop. And we've also got a, a bigger prize of a $300 red balloon voucher that'll go to one lucky person. Wonderful. Well, we might uh, even touch base once you've had a chance to close the survey and digest it. If uh, Would you be happy to share some of the things you've learned? I guess, you know, is it, is it something you would share or is it something you'll keep very close to your chest? No, I think we've got some pretty, um, some general kind of drinking habits and shopping habits questions in there as well. And um, uh, yeah, we'd be more than happy to share those. And I know, you know, the beer cartel are the, probably the the kings of the uh, the survey, market research and survey. Um, so maybe we could um, see if there's any sort of major differences between uh, what falls out of their survey oh, and what we great. see. Oh, we, we might uh, follow up once uh, you, you've got some results. But Danielle Allen, thank you very much for joining us uh, from uh, Western Australia and, and juggling <laughs> these confusing time zones uh, that, that Australia <laughs> does in the first week. Thanks very much for having me on. Enjoyed it. And uh, all the best with the survey and all the best uh, as you guys uh, move into your 10-year celebrations. We look forward to celebrating with you. Thanks, Matt. And that was Danielle Allen. You can find a link to the survey in the show notes. And Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this conversation and the Brews News channel. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. 